Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This show, this special Halloween show, is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com.
Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Keep It Magic. Keep It Magic is a live radio call-in show where we have the hottest guests in the Wiccan, Pagan, and metaphysical communities that join us each and every week at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Normally, this show uh, is on Tuesdays, but this week, um, because Jackie is going out of town tomorrow, um, we are here on Monday giving you all a great show about an interesting topic called Halloween, or Samhain, Samhain, whatever you want to call it, I guess. I'm, I'm not picky. Um, make sure that you visit our sponsor, uh, Coventry Creations, by going to www.coventrycreations.com. That's www.coventrycreations.com. Go to our fan page, which is www.facebook.com forward slash keepin, that's K-E-E-P-I-N, it, magic. Uh, fan us up over or like us, whatever you want to call it, um, over on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Twitter. What is our Twitter handle, Jackie? Um, keep it magic. Yeah, keep it magic. At keep it magic, and you can follow us on Twitter. So cruise on over to Twitter. Go to keep it magic. Hit the little follow button, and you can follow us um, in that particular way. Um, to pick, pick up the phone and give us a call, the number is 760-539-3235. That's 760-539-3235. I'm Storm Sestavani, of course, here with the ultra-glamorous, even though sometimes she does wear a dress that looks like a tablecloth, Jackie Smith. <laughs> Are you talking about my plaid skirt? Yes. Hey, listen, don't say Sam Hain in front of the wrong kids. They will. If you say Sam Hain in front of the wrong pagans, they will. You will be up for a lecture. So it's Samhain. I know. I know it's Samhain. I just say Sam Hain because it's going to irritate people. So. Sam Hain. Sam Hain is a character on the Ghostbusters um, uh, cartoon back from the nineties. <laughs> they had a Ghostbusters cartoon. They did have a. I'm. I, yeah, I'm a little bit of a geek. I watched all the cartoons. They had a Ghostbusters cartoon. I watched like the Super Friends. You watched the weird ones. Well, yeah, Legion of Doom, um, I was all in with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now, i got to tell you, I, let's go back to the plaid skirt. I made this amazing plaid skirt for the Witch's Ball, and it was it was a lot of plaid. It was a, it was a wide skirt. It was um, um, high-waisted. It was a lot of plaid in the picture. But in, in motion, everyone told me in motion it looked great, so I, mean, I have to go with that. The next time you wear it, I want you to get a little picnic basket. <laughs> no, now I have a vest that I'm making out of that same plaid. So, oh really? Um, yeah. So I might be vested, and you know, all I would need is the tam with the big yellow poof ball at the end, and then I'd be right off the boat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to, Storm. I have to tell you before we get going. I have to tell you that I experienced another Dorothy Morrison miracle this weekend. Oh, what happened? Um, I was out of coffee, and that in itself is tragedy. Yeah. And I, I Saturday morning I was out of coffee. I got up early to go do the book signing for our, the new Coventry Magic book at the store, uh-huh. and um, which I was very excited about. I bought coffee for the signing, bought extra coffee for myself, took it into the store, managed to leave it at the store, got home Sunday morning. I'm tired. It's 9 a.m. I needed, needed coffee. And there was none to be had. I was a little teary. I was crying a little bit. I was definitely whining a lot. So I start digging. I pull all my coffee cups out. 
out of the there's got to be some kind of sample pack that came in some guest or gift bag or something yeah. or something back there and in the back was the last little bit of the Dorothy Morrison hoodoo coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> just enough for one pot I, I, I have like three bags of black magic in my freezer I picked it up. Well, I, I thought I'd used it all, but I picked it up, and, and I go, it's a Dorothy miracle. <laughs> I mean, the girl won't let me go without coffee. God bless her. So she is now St. Dorothy the Wicked. Um, I think that's, I want to I wanna promote the St. Dorothy of the Wicked soon. So. Oh, that, that's interesting. St. Dorothy the Wicked. I'm telling you, if somebody cut Dorothy Morrison, I swear she would bleed coffee, not blood. Yes. Coffee and nicotine, that's what she would bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee and what a combination. <laughs> I mean, really, you could survive on that. She reminds me of, except for the, if you switched coffee with champagne or vodka, yeah. she'd be Patsy from AbFab. <laughs> <laughs> or Suellen from Dallas. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> I was all in total love for my, my dear Dorothy. Yeah. We have an interesting guest today, one of my favorite people on the whole planet. Yes. Oh, mine too. Yeah, Lorian from uh, sacredmyths.com is joining us um, in about six minutes. Um, uh, and I'm really excited. You know, you know, when we did Psychic Friends Live, we had her on last year at Halloween. Um, right. And she she's just such an amazing guest. She's filled with information. I really enjoy doing that show. So I'm glad you know that we have her back um, with us on Keep It Magic. And I hope that we you know as these as these particular holidays come up, which I think the one after this is Yule. Um, I hope that we bring her on for each of these particular um, uh, Sabbaths because Jackie is a bad pagan. And I'm a Kabbalist. <laughs> well, what I was going to say instead of that is that since Lorian has um, a school uh-huh. at- attached to sacredmist.com, and she was, um, and I'll let her tell you about it, but I'm so impressed by her school and the vast knowledge and the amazing teachers that she has. The Ferrars are, um, are teachers at her school. They do classes. And she really was the forerunner of online classes for spiritual uh-huh. Classes. She has Reiki classes. She it goes on and on and on. So and and of course she'll correct me if I said anything wrong. But um, that is absolutely why I touch base with Lorian. Lorian on all of the Sabbaths on anything um, Wiccan. And she's such she's an amazing giving person with this vast amount of knowledge. But one of the things I love about Lorian is her knowledge doesn't is not limited to the mystical, the metaphysical, the pagan. Yeah. It goes into the real world. She is an amazing businesswoman. She um, is an amazing marketer, um, very creative, very, very creative. And so, um, and she is um, one of my best customers, of course. I'm going to say this n- not just because she's my best customer, but when, and actually I, I thanked her in the book, because whenever I had something new I wanted to try out, the first person I would throw it by was Lorian. Uh-huh. And she goes, well, let's, let's. Fly it up, what is it? Send it up the flagpole and see if it flies. Yeah. You know, so she would she would always try stuff, and she still does try stuff with me. So, um, it's good. That's I'm excited course, about bringing. That's of course wonderful. One of the biggest questions that I um, have for her, Jackie. Of course, you know that I'm. Uh, 
uh, I guess you could call me a mythologist if you wanted to, but uh, I don't have any particular degree in mythology. Um, but uh, one of the things that I'm wondering, um, of course, we know that Greek culture came long before the Celtic culture. Um, and I'm wondering what the correlation between the Persephone myth, um, which, of course, you know, Hades comes up out of the ground, steals Persephone, drags her back into the underworld, and she queen, becomes the uh, the queen of the underworld. And as a result of this, you know, Demeter, Persephone's mother, um, goes into this state of mourning, and she walks around and, you know, goes berserk and, uh, you know, scorches and burns the earth and does all this other crazy stuff. And then, of course, um, uh, uh, Zeus, the king of the gods, gets all freaked out about it and says, oh, my God, if these human beings start dying, who's going to worship us? So he goes down and he makes a deal with Demeter and um, uh, uh, Persephone's uncle slash husband Hades. And, of course, as a result of this deal, um, uh, it's supposedly, I think the word is etiological, but it's an etiological definition of the reason why we have uh, uh, the seasons. Um, and I wonder if um, in the Celtic lore, which is basically where um, Samhain comes from, I wonder if um, there are similarities or, or, or cross-similarities in regards to those particular myths, because myths don't change, really, Jackie. Their archetypal backbones do. Um, in other words, you'll get a new story, but the, you know, the the bones on the, uh, you know, the bones underneath the meat are the same, pretty much. True, it, because you you can see those things repeated, even though there's different characters. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's you know it's an all male cast or an all female cast. You can see that story repeated in many um, many different. Um, cultures around the world. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Americans have their own fairy tale that um, involves Halloween, which is, of course, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, um, uh, which I think is, yeah, I think that's American. Um, uh, But uh, it is interesting how all of these stories come together, and and all of them, it, it seems to me, have something to do with death and regeneration in some form or another. Well, because... All over the world, everyone recognizes that this time the veil is the thinnest. And I think that's really interesting that um, this was happening around this time everywhere else. Uh-huh. So cultures that didn't know each other, they were all they're all working at the same with the same energies. Um, I should say there's there's a difference between northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere. Uh-huh. But right around this time of year, um, with this with the dying year, with the end of the harvest, um, and, and for that same reason that the uh, we honor our ancestors. Well, in the Southern Hemisphere, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the Southern Hemisphere, at this particular time, don't they, in, in the Wiccan tradition, don't they celebrate Beltane? Yes, you're flipping the year. So yeah. um, they have a different seasonal pull. And, um, and I haven't studied much of Southern Hemisphere um, folklore and mythology uh, meaning, you know, South America going down, or um, uh, Australia, because they have their own myth system that I haven't looked into, and I started looking at that. And wow, it's this. It really is a whole different ballgame. Well, you know, in New it. Zealand, and you know, which I found ironic, um, uh, in New Zealand and in Australia, both. Okay, they don't celebrate on October the thirty-first um, Halloween at all. There is no. 
you know, candy going and doing all this other stuff. Um, uh, in certain, you know, I, I guess Americanized children are, you know, in uh, military bases and stuff like that that are American that they participate in it. But, you know, for the most part, they, those countries do not do anything in regards to Halloween. So it'll be interesting to hear what uh, Lauren has to say about this. Let's find her, and then we'll bring on Lauren. Of course, Lorian is from www.sacredmyths.com. That's www.sacredmyths.com. And Lorian, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Lorian. It's good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours. So we're talking <laughs> so about we're talking about, about Halloween, Sal, and all that kind of wonderful stuff today. Yeah. Love I, this time well, of year. My my favorite too. I, how I mean, how could you not have it be your favorite? <laughs> I know, right? Well, I found out that this is now the number one holiday in the United States that adults spend money on, more so than New Year's. And and Yule, not, Christmas. It, it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, spending money on themselves. Um, spending money in regards to party, uh, you know, the, the party oh, holidays. Okay. Um, adult entertainment. Okay. Co- costumes. Um, uh, and all that candy you know, going we have to, buy. to Yeah, going to different <laughs> celebrations, you know. You know, many places, I was reading today, some places are charging as much as $300 a ticket to get into a shabby-ass hotel for a uh, for a Halloween party. And my thought about that is, is you know, get yourself some candy corn and stay your ass at home. <laughs> That's right. Oh, candy corn. Please tell me you don't like that. Some people like that. She's like wax to me. <laughs> you want to know what I did find, which you will find pretty interesting? Um, as I was doing research for the show, the Christian culture has now attempted to monopolize on Halloween as well. And they have their own little candies. You know that little, I think they had them when we were kids, but I don't know if they have them anymore. You know those long little tubes that used to have, like, um, sugary candy in them? Oh, yes. Pixie sticks. Pixie, Pixie sticks. sticks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pixie sticks. They now have them with Bible verses on them. They also <laughs> have Jesus seeds. <laughs> Which oh, are basically that, candy corn. That sounds dirty. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, Jesus. <laughs> the last thing I want in my mouth is Jesus' seed. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Jesus' seed in my mouth. That's wrong. Yeah, there's, there's oh something my God. wrong you know, about putting Jesus' seed in your mouth. But um, <laughs> it's their own, I guess, you know. There are, there are um, a hilarious <laughs> amount of, well, to me it's funny to watch the evangelists this time of year. Um, lose their mind. They do? Uh-huh. Um, My door has had about, at least, yeah. Um, My door's had at least three people about, knocking on the door. Yeah, about how, how we're going to hell and, and all the pagans are, you know, going to hell and, and how we're all of the devil and really, mm-hmm. really going crazy with it. Well, you want to know what, what I found to be interesting is that in many places in the Northeast, um, because of the very heavy uh, influence of Catholicism, if Halloween falls on a Sunday, they either make it the Saturday night before or the Monday night after, so that it is not being um, uh, worshipped on uh, the Christian uh, Sabbath. My only bummer about it being on Sunday when I was a kid was that I had to get up for school in the morning, and, and I couldn't wear my costume to school. That's really what Yeah, because you could only do that on Friday before, right? 
Right. You know, if it's Monday through Friday, you can wear your costume to school. Cause that's and your Halloween up. trick-or-treating <laughs> was always cut short because you had to go to bed. Right. Right. And specifically on a Sunday, I mean, like on a Wednesday, you can stay up till you know, whenever trick-or-treating, but specifically on a Sunday, it's just pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I was, a, I was a power trick-or-treater when I was a kid. You were? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mapping out their route. Who is the best house? Oh, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But aren't you They're noticing now in today's culture that you – I mean, I don't I don't know about you, but here in California, or at least in my area, trick-or-treaters have gone, like, way down. My volume of trick-or-treaters have gone extinct. Mm-hmm. Yes. They go to they safe to little parties that are – we have city-organized parties at the fairgrounds. Where parents really, and they have little things that they can go do and all these different little stations that they can go and mess around with. And they have all the stores do trick-or-treating, so you can go and get, you know, that evening they all stay up late, so you can go to the stores and stuff. But it it just seems like, um, you know, there's there's this, I think that there's an interesting um, phenomenon happening where it started in the 70s. I don't know if any of you remember when um, there was this huge scare about right. candy being laced with drugs, razor blades, this, uh-huh. that, and the other thing. And as um, right. the fear in our culture has, has gone to extreme heights, I think that that's directly impacted on people feeling safe, having their kids go and knock on a stranger's door. By the way, all that stuff was false. Never happened. There's, yeah. that, that is yep, all urban legend. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. You're giving us all yep. of the weird I remember as a kid, you know, at, at one point as a kid, we would go to the police station after we were done trick-or-treating. Our parents would drive us there, and they would the police would check it or run a, a yeah. detector over it. Well, I'll tell you, yeah. there's actually, like, history about that. Um, what uh, What would you get? What's that? What did you dig up on that? What did you dig up on that? Well, well, in this in the seventies, early seventies, um, do you remember when we all went trick or treating? I mean, I don't know about you, but my grandma used to make mm-hmm. homemade popcorn balls, all wrapped in plastic wrap, and it was just the best thing in the world. And you'd go and you get right. cookies or whatever. It wasn't wrapped candy. Who could afford that then anyway? It was just kind of a thing people did, but you really wanted the homemade stuff. So Lots um, of apples. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 70s, total, uh, our world got turned upside down for that. There was a guy, um, a, a little kid, five years old, who supposedly ate candy that had heroin on it. Mm-hmm. And um, they, you know, everybody freaked out. Oh, my gosh, somebody put drugs on my poor little five-year-old's candy. I can't believe it. But Later, when the the investigation was done, they actually de- determined that the heroin was the the little boy's uncle, and he got it, and somehow the kid got into it rather than it being actually on a Halloween candy. So <laughs> then the next one, um, there was this father who um, who uh, well I'll back up. In '74, there was a little boy eight years old, and he died of cyanide poisoning, supposedly because he he ate a Halloween candy. But what they found was that the father, he claimed that the boy had gotten the candy from a house in Pasadena. Well, when they did the investigation, first off, the house that he said he got it from had been empty, so there's no way. That didn't hold up. And also that the father had taken out $20,000 life insurance policies on each of his children and also found that he poisoned his own son. He tried to poison his daughter. Anyway, he was um, 
the guy was eventually sentenced to death, and but he got to stay. Wow. So, so um, yeah, and all the there's never been razor blades and apples, never. So all this is just complete mass hysteria on claims that actually never happened. They all have a legitimate reason. So we're all we're not actually a psychotic society trying to poison our kids. Yep. I uh, it it I was when I was a new mom letting my kid go trick or treating for the first time, and I'm looking it all up on Snopes, and I'm like, there's no validation on this. This is interesting. So, what well, what I'm finding over here is that trick or treating is very neighborhood oriented. One one neighborhood, nothing. Next neighborhood, tons. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. um, you can go down a street, and there's only three or four houses lit up giving out candy, and I'm like, well, where's my toilet paper? <laughs> I'm gonna hit those on wet houses, but but uh, uh, you know, but it's it it has changed because they. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why it's they're feeling that people. I love Halloween. I love Halloween. I, I I think that it has to do with convenience, and after parents have worked from, uh, you know. Eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock at night. They get home and they make dinner. They it's much easier, I think, to take kids to a mall and you know sit at one of the benches and let them go from store to store. And mm-hmm. um, you don't have to do the walking around anymore. And mm-hmm. um, you know you can kibitz with your friends at the food court. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, going to camp the day. You know off. while you're having a uh, you know double Wendy's uh, grease burger with. Oh uh, yeah, um, that sounds delish. I know, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> just take off the bun. Um, <laughs> now going the, uh, back to what <laughs> going back to what Storm was talking about with um, the the Persephone myth, and then looking at the myths of the Celtic myths of of Samhain. How do you you have a, a lot of information on that on, in your classes, don't you? Oh, yeah. We talk a lot about different sabbats. We talk about the different goddesses and gods, and, and we definitely tie things together. So, absolutely. The um, interesting thing that Storm pointed out was that, you know, that backbone component. There, in, in almost every single, well, every culture and religion has so many similarities, um, so much so that it's, there have been people that absolutely don't believe in any of this, and they just call it mass hysteria. Um, mm-hmm. But there's people who know the flip side, which is that there's absolute basis in truth on all of this when you look at the backbone of everything. And Samhain or Halloween is absolutely no different. Um, when you talk about the veil between the worlds, the afterlife, everything like that, that is found in every single culture, and and um, there's all kinds of myths, legends, and lore in every culture surrounding this particular time of year. The other flip side that I was going to mention, the other component I was going to mention, is when um, you were talking about um, the northern and the southern hemisphere. Well, way back when, things were still celebrated um, in the different um, hemispheres. However, like you said, it was flipped. So, in I mean, this is before Christ, before everything. Um, the the ancients would go and they would put their herds out and their livestock out at Beltane. That was kind of, you know, that was when um, everything was going to be lush and green and they could go out and be safe and secure. And then they would bring them all in around Valentine. So it was the close of the year and the start of the year. 
and it just kind of flipped back and forth. It's that cross quarter, so. Uh huh. Right. Right. Because it does it does just flip around, doesn't it? Mhm. Yeah. Totally. So yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of um, of similarities in every single pantheon. Pantheon meaning um, the different um, gods and goddesses that are um, grouped together based on. You know, you've got your Greek, your Egyptian, your Celtic, this, that, and, and even your Christian pantheon, which is Maiden Mother so or what, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Exactly. Now, what is the what's the basic Celtic um, myth around Samhain? Well, um, basically, what would happen um, is that the hearth fires in Ireland, they were all doused; mm-hmm. they were just put out. And then they were all lit again. They had a central fire, and the central fire was maintained by the Druids. Um, and and that was a, a little bit of ways, I mean, well, a little bit of ways um, from the Royal Hill of Terra. And mm-hmm. they called this fire the Need Fire. And the Celts kind of believed that Samhain and Beltane were um, basically the, the fissures in time. It was is that little kind of moment in time during the year that allowed the living access to the land of the dead. And they called the land of the dead Tirnanog. Um, the, the Celts kind of believed that um, there was death in life and life in death. Um, and and if, if you look at any religion, it, even in the past 3,000 years, that's the most basic premise of of every religion. Um so in the ancient times all the time wasn't linear at all it was cyclical um and so new year's eve is kind of the same thing as Samhain where it's the beginning of the year it's the beginning of a new time where everything is washed away and it all begins anew and that's symbolic in that dousing of the fire and lighting it again from that central fire so that's 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 kind of the basic lore and legend of how Samhain is represented in the Celtic Celtic history. Cool. So there isn't one um, who is, um, a, you know, like a, a specific deity that, that this is about. Like in, in Yule you have the Holly King and the Oak King, et cetera. Well, there is. There's the crone, um, and it's the Kaliak is, is one um, that you could you could look at. And she... She was the, the the goddess of the crossroads, is what we work with at Sacred Mists. And, and the goddess of the crossroads is that moment in time where you can, you, she comes out from the underworld. And she is there to take to the underworld everything you want to get rid of. It's that new start. It's so similar to the, you know, tradition of New Year's, New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. You're making these promises. You're going, I'm getting rid of, for example, I'm getting rid of being fat. I'm so tired of being fat, and New Year's Day I'm going to start my diet. So it's, it's exactly like okay. that. And so the crone, um, a lot of people know her by the Kaliak, she will come out and you will give to her that which you're wanting to get away, get away from and, and take away from your life. And then you want to fill that void, that space, with something you're you're wanting to fill it with, something you're wanting to promise and keep. So yes, mm-hmm. but the interesting thing is is that um, in gosh, I think it was I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was a point in time where it, there was a complete misnomer that they that, that Samhain 
somehow was supposedly some kind of Celtic god. The, 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 there was a god named Samhain, and that is absolutely not true. Oh, interesting, interesting. We have to take a break real quick. Um, if you want to talk to Lori and Jackie or me, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 760-539-3235. That's 760-539-3235. The show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com, where magic happens. Do not touch that dial. We'll be back in a flash. We're going to ask Lori in a little bit about her store, a little bit about her classes, and more information on Halloween. Do not touch that dial.
call-in show where you have the questions and we definitely have the answers. And today we're talking about Halloween. So if you have any questions about Halloween or Samhain, um, pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 760-539-3235. That's 760-539-3235. If you are listening um, uh, in the chat room and you are a guest, which means that you can't chat with us, you can, of course, get a free account at blogtalkradio.com, and you can join in the conversation. Also, at the top of the show page, there is a little link that says follow. Um, just click on that little link, and you'll be able to get all of the updates about uh, this show, Keep It Magic, um, which airs normally every Tuesday at 4 p.m., but today we are doing a special Halloween episode with Lorian from uh, Sacred Myths. Com, so make sure that you cruise on over and give Lorian a little bit of uh, purchasing love over at sacredmiss.com. Jackie, um, before we go any further into the into into the lore and the history of uh, Samhain, why don't we find out about this sacredmiss.com? Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let's find out a little more about this crazy thing yeah. called sacredmyths.com. Yeah, what is this crazy thing called sacredmyths.com that everybody should be going to right now with a platinum card at sacredmyths.com? Uh, Lorian, <laughs> um, first of all, how did you decide that you wanted to do this whole store thing? Tell me, tell me about this. Well, first we started with the school. Um, the school being a uh, online Wiccan training program. And the reason that I decided to do that is, well, years ago I used to have an offline group. It was rather small. Um, I started here in Napa. I got some training here in my Napa, California area. And then um, when I started working out in the Silicon Valley, which is um, in the Bay Area of California, um, I had a smaller group out there. And um, then the Internet crashed and that sent all of my coven members in different directions where mm-hmm. they had to go and find work. So unfortunately, I was kind of a sad little uh, solitary, which I didn't really want to be. Um, so I kind of started looking around on the online side and realized, well, you know, I can I can do this here. Now, I looked offline for other groups, and, and let me tell you, and I think people who have looked for groups offline, first it's kind of hard to find groups. And sometimes when you do find them, um, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's 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 true that the good groups are few and far between. Um, unfortunately, okay. a lot of groups have um, people that may may have little ego issues or what have you. Um, I think that that's changing as people move forward into um, uh, pagan ministry and 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 leading groups and have gotten some solid training and understand that, you know, this is not about ego, it's about really empowering other people. So that's a good thing. But um, I started out with the school and deciding I wanted to bring a program to people all over the world that would allow them to train in the security and safety and comfort of their own home um, okay. in their own time, because we're all very busy people, and um, in a safe way. I call it um, just you know, I tell people that Sacred Miss is a safe haven where you can spread your spiritual wings and soar to the heights that you want to go to. So 
the school started and and you know the more and more I would hear students say gosh you know I gave this money to this place and um never got my products or I can't find this or at that time the the market was rather limited online and now there's just hundreds and hundreds of stores so there's lots of option but um then there there really wasn't you were very limited and the product lines were almost the same and what have you and I'm one of those people that really enjoy having nice things to work with and it doesn't have to be expensive but it it's it I just I just enjoy it it feels really good to me to have something that's that's beautiful and feels very ritualistic and I can connect with um, so twofold, Sacred Mist was born. Sacred Mist Shop was born, I should say. One was to provide the students and, and the pagan community with a safe place to shop, with a little more okay. diversity than what was available out there. Um, things that I knew I really liked, and um, I started out with some bog oak runes. That was my first product. I, I said, "Well, you know, I'm going to try this. I'm going to." So I brought some bog oak runes. Those sold out instantly, and I got a lot of people what, saying, "Well, what about this?" They're bog oak runes. Bog oak um, is oak that's that ancient, 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 millions of years old. These oak trees have soaked into the bogs, and then they oh, almost become okay. petrified and they turn black. And they're the most cool. I still have my set. It's just great. It's really awesome, amazing wood to work with. So they were really limited, and I only had like probably six or seven sets, but they sold out really quickly. And you know, I decided, well. You know, I'll give this a shot, and I started out really small. I started out in a little, tiny little nook in my house, and it grew from there. So now um, we have over 15,000 products online. And last year, last not this past February, but February before, um, we entered into a lease here in Napa and opened our doors, not this past August, but the August before, for a physical retail store which has been really great i've i've just it's it's wonderful to be able to interface with people directly and um i'm doing readings um uh, tarot readings inside the store and um really opening up the local community to this alternative path and the reception's been incredible so there you go that's the history a bit i love the fact that what you did is you built the community first and then you looked at what the community needed. I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's really key right there. That's brilliant. I love that. Now, the school the school is not sacredmist.com. The school is workingwitches.com? Correct. Or do you get it through Sacred Mist? How, do how does one find the Working Witches School? Because your school is amazing. Oh, well, thank you. So much information. Well, we have, um, you can find it online. Sacred Mist comes up with both, um, the store and the school. Um, you can also, and on the store, you can go into our training programs component where you'll see that you, we have the Wiccan Degree Training Program that will take you right over to our site. You'll also find that we have an intuitive tarot class that's offered by Bernadette Montana, a really wonderful woman in Cornwall, New York. Um, really phenomenal class. We have Janet and Gavin's uh, Progressive Magic. We also have um, uh, Historical Paganism, which is really incredible. That's um, led by uh, Ashley Richter, who is currently right now uh, studying for her Ph.D. She's actually in, um, in the Middle East right now doing doing digs and archaeological studies. Um, wow. But she's doing that through um, the University of San Diego here in California. 
Um, and we also have the Reiki classes and the herbalist classes. But, yes, you can get that through sacredmist.com, kind of directing you over workingwitches.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, you can do uh, Sacred Mists um, on Facebook. And you can also find Sacred Mist Shop, and that's uh, S-H-O-P-P-E on Facebook. And uh, we very lively group on our Facebook. We have over 43,000 people on our um, college Facebook page. Wow. Let me let me ask you a question, Lorian. What mm-hmm. do you, because first of all, I will just be honest with you. I don't like to leave the house. I don't like germs. <laughs> are you? Are I'm really you, good with you, reading for people, but uh, <laughs> I call myself. That's being an anti-social socialite. Oh, an anti-social socialite. Oh, I like that actually. Isn't that great? Um, <laughs> It is. So I'm would a person like me be perfect for your school? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And with the the breadth and depth of knowledge that you have, you would still be perfect mm-hmm. for this school. Um, we have people that are starting this path that have very little knowledge. They just feel a, a little core inkling that they feel they want to come and see what this is all about, all the way to people that have been studying for 20-plus years, Um and what's really wonderful about the school, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the Internet can be a very hostile battleground. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really can be a very hostile place to be. Um, people are very fearful about asking questions for fear of being stupid. There's a lot of people out there who have no problem making people feel stupid. It's unfortunate. Um, and there's, you know, right. flip side is that there's a lot of people out there who want to help. But with inside of our school, there's we don't, I don't let that happen. Um, everybody from every walk of life, from any knowledge base, is welcome in sacred myths, and they feel very safe and secure and embraced as people who are walking the path and sharing it. I can learn from somebody who doesn't have any knowledge whatsoever. I, I learn something every day from my students. I, I love, you know, I love what you said is about the, the pagan clergy, the pagan ministry. Uh-huh. That you're you're actually developing that with your students, aren't you? Yes. Yep. That is that's so. I think that's something that's been missing in the neo pagan movement uh-huh. is is um is an experienced ministry, and um, I think we're finally growing up enough that we are proud of our elders and we look to our elders. Earlier on, it was like there was no elders, so it's proud of it if you're breaking ground, and now we can look to our elders and say. And elders doesn't necessarily mean old, just you know. No, no. <laughs> but we, we're, I think we're fi- finally looking to to that ministers uh, uh, to to the clergy yeah. part of it because that that's a big shift. And I thank you for training us. Oh well, it's absolutely my pleasure. And again, through my experiences with everybody that I work with, I am benefited and blessed by that because without a shared experience. I wouldn't have one. So I think that it's a give and take on on both sides of the fence. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're focusing on, as my my online school has matured, we are now moving in with people who have completed their third degree and they've initiated as as high priestess and they're moving into this elder program because we're really the only program of our kind um, and beyond that, we're the only program that offers the first through an elder program. 
And I think that that's really important because a lot of people who are elders, who do they turn to really? They, they, they're they the people that everybody else turns to, but let's face it, as an elder, you still get stuck in ruts. You kind of have challenges. So they, we need to build that base of people that we can we build a community of elders as well. So that's and kind of what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. In, in, in traditional groups like Gardnerian or Alexandrian, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I've noticed um Lorian, is that getting to that third degree level um, seems to be very political. <laughs> it can be. It can be, and that's something that I think is unfortunate. I, I really yeah. think that's unfortunate because it's not about that. It's about are you ready, are you prepared, and beyond that, third degree is not something that you achieve as some kind of, um, you know, notch on your spiritual bedpost, so to speak. You you get into the third degree, and it's all about service. It is it, it is not for you; it's for people around you. And um, I get a lot of dropouts in the third degree, and part of it is because um, it's difficult. It's difficult to work through because you have to find your path on your own in third degree. You really need to be able to, um, you know, you've you've been walked through the process in first and second degree. You have to learn how to not only walk yourself through somewhat of this process, but also through that through that process of walking yourself. You need you then learn how to walk others who are feeling very alone in their path. So it's it's a real interesting challenge, um, but again, third degree is 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 political. It is kind of seen as a um, crowning of sorts for people who feel like they've reached the pinnacle. And I just I don't I don't feel that way. I really don't. I feel yeah. like my life is service. It's not um, it's it's not about revering what I do. It's I I work for other people. That's my goal, and that's what makes I me like feel good. Holiday. I like I like that the third degree. When you're an elder, you're in service. You don't. Yeah. It's not that you get to sit here and everyone comes to you. I right. love that. Yeah. I love that. Hey, what I don't want to miss in our Halloween conversation is we talked about the Celtic, we talked about the, the lighting the fires, and we talked about trick or treating here in America and how it's like the number one holiday for adults here in the US. How, so how did we jump how did we jump from that? How did we jump from um the Celtic lands and and mm-hmm. and then here in America? Well, um you know, I think that it it's really important to understand a little bit where some of those um those traditions of Halloween and Samhain have come from. So um what going back to the um the land of the dead and um, that the the living would have access to the land of the dead or what was known as Ternanag in the Celtic cultures. One of the, the big um, the customs is leaving food at the table, which is really the birth of the treat part of trick-or-treat. And it was mm-hmm. kind of a gesture of welcoming of the departed and kind of saying, I remember you and I, you know, you're welcome here, just, like what what a host or the hostess would do when you have somebody come in their house, you offer them something to drink. Do you want something to drink? Do you want something to eat? What have you? So right. um, very similar to Day of the Dead. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And again, cross culture. 
It's 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 mm-hmm. absolutely you see so much of that. So um in through those visits, a lot of people would believe at that time that they would then receive messages from those departed ancestors who were coming to visit for a while and having a little bite to eat again. Um, going back to that that veil between the worlds being extremely thin, um, and they would they, they would provide information and more insight on past on what happened in your past, what's happening right now, and maybe even some future events. So that was almost the birth as well of the divination component that is off is synonymous with Halloween. Um, True. So then, yeah, it's it's really interesting. You see all these these timelines go through. Um, you know. Some people, um, some some people kind of, of think that um, it's kind of it's kind of weird or, or kind of gross that people would set aside a day for the dead. Now we don't, but in some cultures and some spiritual you know paths, they think that's really horrible. Um, just what are you talking about? You're going to worship the dead? What? Um, mm-hmm. And going going into that that cross culture kind of thing we talked about, um, the festival of souls um, called Obon or Bon that's celebrated in Japan on July 13th, or also and that's the lunar calendar August 15th, which is the solar calendar. In Mexico, we have uh, Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead, and that's between October 27th and November 2nd. The Chinese celebrate uh, Qingming or Tomb Sweeping Day. That falls between April 5th and 6th, and that, of course, depends on the calendar. That's been happening since 3700 B.C. Um, in the uh, Philippines, you've got, got the All Saints Day Fiesta, and Germany have Walsburgus Night falling on April 30th. So you kind of look, and we have all of these things that have to do with the dead. So, Which, um, interestingly, in that April month is basically where the Christians' uh, death and the resurrection comes up in April as well. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Um, that goes back to conversion, the ease of conversion. Um, when uh, if you follow um, kind of going back to the Christian component of um, which you know Christianity is one of the largest religions, it's the largest religion in the world. Um, Constantine who was a Roman a Roman em- emperor, he declared that the Roman Empire was a Christian one. He just he became a very staunch Christian, and he decided that the Roman Empire was Christian, and he basically slammed the door on anything Celtic. Um, uh, the, the process of, of that was really interesting because the Celts really weren't going to, the Celts are really open about accepting um, other people's religions and paths. It's very similar to what we experience now. Is you know, It's like, well, if you want to believe what you believe, that's fine, and I respect that, and this is what I believe. So they were very welcoming and, and open to all of that, but then somehow they were supposed to cut off all of their religion and, and move over into this Christian realm. And the process was um, that their, their faiths were merged um that's that's that whole conversion process so um the you'll see that also in um yule that that was changed to christmas even though um there's no historical basis that um 
the birth of Christ happened at at Christmas at all in you know any time yeah, in December. In August. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's none. Um, the Samhain, which is the Celtic name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually, the that whole birth of Christ was actually closer to Samhain than it was December. But anyway, I, I digress. So keep going. Isn't that funny? It's it's they've changed everything, mm-hmm. so it kind of it kind of syncs together. Um, they the the clergy of Christianity they started teaching in order for that conversion to happen. They started teaching all of the peasants that the fairies and the goat uh, those, those were all evil. That the pitchforks and all these symbol these symbolisms were actually very evil. They were the Satan coming across and 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 um, their their dead the, the ancestors they revered were actually ghosts and ghouls. And they tried to put this fear twist on their spirituality. Um, and Pope Gregory actually declared um, that, it was. In, I'll, I'll quote it, it says, Let the shrines of idols be, be uh, by no means be destroyed. Let water be consecrated and sprinkled in the temples. Let altars be erected so that the people, not seeing their temples destroyed, may displace error and recognize and adore the true God. And because they won't sacrifice to devils, some celebration should be given in exchange for this. They should celebrate a religious feast and worship God by feasting, so that still keeping outward pleasure, they may more readily give spirit, receive spiritual joys. So he was basically saying, we're going to control, what, we're going to tell you what kind of spiritual celebrations you should be having, and that's how you're going to be um, not affected by all of this negativity. So, um, mm-hmm. so let's see. So that was the absolute strong Christian influence on Samhain. Um, and then you go over to um, how we've all heard All Saints Day, right? All Souls Day, mm-hmm. Hallow's Eve, Hallowmas. Um, Which is how Halloween got his name. Yes, exactly. Um, all Saints Day was attributed to Pope Boniface, and he dedicated the Roman temple, which was the Pantheon, and he consecrated that to the Church of the Blessed Virgin and all martyrs, martyrs on May 13th. That was to honor the Christians who'd been murdered for their beliefs. Um, and so All Saints Day and All Hallows' Eve, which were Halloween, that was reintroduced by Pope Gregory in the 7th century. And they changed All Saints Day and all to November 1st because the the pagans they refused to let go of their original Samhain date um October 31st being the eve of Samhain and November 1st being the day of Samhain um mm-hmm. so in order to kind of supplant and get rid of the pagan beliefs they moved all of this into All Saints Day which was the the day that the Catholic Church and the Christian Church really kind of were saying, well, that's you shouldn't be celebrating your ancestors this that you this is a celebration for martyrs of the Christian faith. Um, let's see, I'm looking through my notes because there's so I, much. I remember when, um, as when I was growing up Catholic, and they would give us the the history of all Saint of the history of Halloween. It mm-hmm. it began. 
on the creation of All Saints Day, and that uh-huh. they would say that um, the reason why we were trick-or-treating and all that stuff was, had to do with us getting our fears out of the way, getting the devil out of us, getting the um, <laughs> scaring all bad, uh, the the pumpkins and the dressing up in scary costumes was about scaring the devil away. Isn't yeah, that that, that's hilarious and ridiculous at the same time. Basically, We're, you know, if you if you boil it down, Salon is the, a way to the historically it was a way to deal with the mystery of dying and of death. It was it was a way to make that not so scary. And I think that culturally we have to have a connection with death um, yeah. or we lose the importance of life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If we, don't, if we don't revere the death, and I, you, know, you don't have to worship them. I mean, there's a difference between worshiping them and, and going to them for everything and revering them and looking for their guidance. One of the things I say is that if you want to call on one being that is completely vested in your success, call on an ancestor because you're the culmination of all their efforts. Right and 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 so when I, I even to this day I'm looking I was just having this conversation. We are we love zombies right now, right? Zombies yeah. are it. zombies are the it monster, and they're the devil. With vampires it. before. <laughs> yeah, and now now it's ugly ones. Mm hmm. Not even <laughs> cute ones. For yeah. Christ's sake. We went from um, sexy glamorous vampires to rotting mummy looking. I know. So we're declining think, as a culture. <laughs> but, but I think, but I, I think that we have to. Um, I look at how much Day of the Dead has become um, just popular across the country. Yes. We're really the only culture that doesn't have. Um, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We don't have um, a connection to our dead. Mm-hmm. We don't right. have death rites that um, celebrate. And and like I said, when when it's my time and I'm gone, you guys party because I'm in a much better place and I'm I am having a good time myself. You think oh, yeah. it's one of the one of the interesting things in Kabbalah is that um, although Kabbalah really doesn't have that you know a day of the dead day, um, one of the things that it does have is that on the death anniversary of a certain large spiritual people like uh, uh, the death of the anniversary of Moses the Patriarch or uh, uh, or Moses or Abraham the Patriarch or uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or um, we tend to connect on those particular <laughs> on those particular days. I was just going to say, um, I'm glad you can particular pronounce energy that. of the individual. <laughs> I, I can speak Hebrew. That's the only reason why. So, <laughs> uh, but we connect in that particular way. That on on their death day, you can tap into their particular energy and their particular works in a much more stronger way than you can any other time of the year. Right. But in the in Kabbalah and in in the traditions that you follow, uh-huh. um, you can't you can you don't get to be a certain. Um, level of of spiritual leader without no. age being behind you. Um, well, we don't believe in levels of spiritual leaders anyway. So, um, uh, That's true. There is the you know if if you went back a, a hundred years ago, 
um, any man under the age of 40 or any woman would not be able to study Kabbalah at all. Um, you know, thankfully, because of the Rav and Karen, um, that's a little bit changed at this particular point. They're inclusive, they're inclusive of women, and they don't follow the, the 40 year. But what I do think happens at 40, um, uh, and this is just my own experience of going through it now because I'm, uh, I'm 41, um, but I do, and I'm sure that somebody's going to write me a flying letter for this, I do <laughs> think that there's something that happens in the 40s that begins mm-hmm. to crystallize the individual in a much more significant way than the 20s and the 30s does. I agree with a you. Large waking, it seems to be a large wakening up process in which uh, the things that we may have taken for granted or ideas that we may have taken for granted in the past seem to be more understandable at 40 than they were at 30 and they were at 20. We seem to be more adept at being able to look at things in uh, more of a larger picture sort of way than we than we were before 40. I don't know what your experience is Because we're closer to death. (laughs) You know, we have experienced our mortality and said, this shit ain't worth it. (laughs) Well, yeah, in 20 and 30s, we're going, we can change the world. And at 40, we're going, well, shit, I guess we can't. I guess we're just going to have to accept it the way it is. It's a piece, you know. Yep. And change our personal world. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're in control. That's right. um, And you... You have you have a, uh, some great information on like the meaning of the jack o' lantern and the meaning yes. of the pointy hats and mm-hmm. and where the 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 trick part of the trick or treat is about. Right. Yeah. So tell um, me a little bit more about the the jack o' lantern. The jack o' lantern. Okay. So the jack o' lantern is rather interesting because um, you know that's kind of the centerpiece of our American holiday, where you see pumpkins in big, huge vats in front of the grocery stores, and everybody's going to carve pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, so the historically one of the one of the one of the ideas of where it came from is the Celts would hollow out um, turnips and apples and use them as candle holders. And later, they were used by medieval Europeans as small lanterns. So it's not really known whether they carved faces of the apples or turnips to ward off evil, but um, you know it, what they were used. Fruits, you know, fruits and vegetables were used. So um, the it, it, really where the, the face comes is that it was supposed to scare away the evils, the ghosts, and the, us little witches and black cats. Um, to make them go away, so that's that's kind of where 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 that comes from. The the trick or treating aspect that is well, I talked about the trick part and where that kind of came from. Um, the treat part is when people would come up to they would they would kind of do go door to door, and they would. It's called house begging, um, and they would they would go to the door and they would go uh, rhyming and mumming, and so they would they would kind of dress up in costume, or they would go up to the doors and they would say a rhyme, and then they were they were gifted a a treat, and usually these were called soul cakes, um, and the soul cakes they they could have well. A lot of times they were given the soul cake. They were also given apples, some kind of pastry, um, cup of milk, something fresh. 
Mm-hmm. But they did. They were raising energy. If you look at back historically, where people said, "Oh, they're dancing around the fire," and blah blah blah, they were raising that energy. If you've ever been to a bonfire, it's tangible. Mm-hmm. You can feel that empowerment. Yep. So that's that's where, you know, witches didn't used to wear black pointy hats. They this is kind of a more recent manifestation in modern day culture. The, the dunce cap. <laughs> yes. The dunce cap was was created to say, we're going to like help this uh, information go into your head from this point. Uh, it's like a reverse tone <laughs> of power. We're going to help you. Help that. That's funny. I know. So of course, I just went there with the with the pointy hat. You totally <laughs> went there. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Quite all right. Quite all right. Well, so so if we're going to bring in the spirituality, if we're going to bring in the celebration of the dead of of this time of year of Samhain, of um, relighting our own hearth fires and and um, between the veils kind of moment, what are the th- different things we can do in our own homes? Well, I can tell you what I do um, in my home. I I always one of the things that I do is I try and. Uh, well, all of my students know this. I make a Samhain stew. Um, Samhain stew is um, using all of the current in-season vegetables, um, you know, pumpkin squash, et cetera, et cetera, putting that in. Mm. And then I infuse what I'm cooking with that blessing of the coming year. So it's it's out with the old, in with the new. So I'm doing prosperity and abundance and things like that. I'm using the seasonings and the spices that are associated with that. So we're talking nutmeg, cinnamon, um, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things that are associated with that prosper. You know about this because you make wonderful, amazing candles. So you're using these <laughs> herbs and resins and things to yeah, so you, but I never thought you know, about making a stew with that with the pumpkins and stuff because that sounds amazing. It's so good. I can give you the recipe. You can throw that up on keepitmagic.com. All my students ask for it every year. It's delicious. And by so, the way, the um, recipe for soul cakes will be up on keepitmagic.com. So take a peek when when the show's over. If it's not up now, it'll be up soon. So yep, keep going on. Some more about soul cakes and what what in the world are they? So um, the other thing that I do is um, something you can do at home is that you set a plate out. So if you're if if you tend to set the table, maybe even if it's every every day of the week or once a week, and you're sitting down with your family, set a a, a plate, a place setting for your as a symbolic welcoming of your ancestors and loved ones that have gone before, and remember them. Remember them when they used to sit at your table. Um, you know, it's a great time. A lot of people do family gatherings at, at Thanksgiving and Christmas and even Fourth of July. Nobody really thinks, or I shouldn't say, a lot of people don't think to have a family gathering on Halloween. But I think it's a really good concept to consider because of the intent of honoring those that have crossed before. We all used to celebrate holidays together. So coming together and maybe sitting around and talking about our loved ones and reminiscing and looking at old family movies and videos and pictures will be such a great way to celebrate. Um, on your altar, you can set out 
um, pictures of those loved ones and ancestors that have gone before. It's a great time to start doing some research into your family history. Maybe avenues that you hadn't uncovered or even thought of might come to you and can set you off on a whole new wild goose chase that's down the rabbit hole, so to speak, having super fun time learning about your history and uh, family tree. So there's lots of cool things that you can do with this time of year that's far, far um, different than what your traditional trick-or-treating and bobbing for apples is. <laughs> I love that. Now, I mean, traditionally you think about putting dried stalks of corn and, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're making it making that fall alter. Um, that's, that's the first thing I think of. But I, I then I put skeletons on my altar too. And skulls and Well that's um, that's just symbolism. That's classic. Mm-hmm. And and pictures of my, my loved ones who have passed on. You know what I do? I love how you said like get to know your your family, bring this together, have a plate for your ancestors. Mm-hmm. I have um recently started taking this time of year to ask questions. I go and I, I'll say, well, how was our, you know, talk to my cousins or my father or my mother and say, well, tell me about this, tell me about that, tell me about this. And so I get the stories a little bit at a time. And, and then I, when I have that story and I have the picture of my ancestor in front of me, then I can start doing some work with them, with that story, understanding that story with them. Kind of show me that experience, show me what that meant. It's been kind of fun. I do that with my daughter too. Oh yeah, no, it's it's you know I I wish that that um, my hopes through the, doing this show and and just in general I, I'm hoping that we can all create a, a, a new tradition of of Samhain and and Halloween as we see this decline in the trick or treating aspect we talked about at the beginning of the show. That's always a great opportunity to start new traditions. So, you know, creating that family atmosphere, coming together on Salon, I think, wouldn't that be cool? Like getting together and you could even gather together and hand out candy at the door. But, mm-hmm. you know, I love that excuse to get I together. <laughs> you know, make your salad and new and your soul cakes and have a great old time. Yeah. Pumpkin, iced pumpkin oh, juice oh. is really good, too. Ooh, that sounds good. Tell us, just, just tease us with a little bit of what soul cakes are. Soul cakes are delicious. They're like a, a spiced cake. Um, they're flavored with saffron and um, spices like your nutmeg and your cinnamon, and they often have currants and raisins in them, and they're circular, and they're just really fluffy and yummy. They um, are best, like, warm right out of the oven. So time it right mm-hmm. and, um, you know, come after dinner, and they're, they're just they're delicious. They're just, oh, they're so, so, so good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, the hot cross buns of, of the Easter tradition in Catholicism and the Christian. Have you ever heard of hot cross buns? Mm-hmm. Right, hot cross buns. They're, they're hot very cross buns. Easter, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, again, going into that whole merging of cultures, you've got the, the soul cakes, which have... Um, you know, we don't, I don't. I don't particularly like hot cross buns because they have that candied fruit in them. That's just gross. I don't know. Do you like Not that a stuff? No. Mm-hmm. No, don't, because they're always really bad at all. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Not a big no. Mm-mm. Soul cakes don't have that, but it's it's um, it's interesting that you know hot cross buns. As you know, we don't have the cross on them, but again, it's that it's that component of 
the the bread and and the cakey type thing being part of of the celebration. They're mm-hmm. good. Make them. They're delicious. You'll love the recipe. Go to keepitmagic.com later and grab it. Yep. Now, Storm, I have been hogging Lorian this entire time. I've got asking her tons of questions. And did you have any questions for her? Did you have anything you wanted to say? Actually, actually, because we've only got about six minutes and then we have to close. Um, Lorian, tell me, I want to go back to your store for just a second. Um, uh-huh. Tell me things that people can buy on your at your store if they know nothing about Samhain and they want to begin some form of tradition this year. Well, you know, I'd always recommend starting with a book. Um, the uh, Pagan Holiday book is really, really great. There's also a, a book. You can still get it. Um, it's unfortunate. It used to be a really great set. Um, I'm blessed to have the whole set, but they don't publish the vast majority of them anymore. But Llewellyn put out a um, Sabbat set that was done by prominent authors and well-known pagans in the community. Um, and Silver Ravenwolf's Halloween book is still on the market. So that's a really good one, too. Um, so I would I would kind of start there with either of the books on, on um, you know, pagan holidays, which will give you that wide array of knowledge, or you can do one that's specific to the pagan holidays, um, this one in particular being Halloween or Samhain. Um <laughs> And I think that's, you know, that's really the way to start if you don't know anything. The best way to start is grab a book and start reading. Um, if you're a little familiar with it and you're wanting to kind of set up an altar, um, you know, you could start with, um, of course, you've got your basic cauldron. Um, the other product that's really, really, really great, very popular, is the, um, the um, it's a spell paper. And you'll you'll find it in the store. Um, and I'm drawing a complete blank on the name of it. Amethyst uh, Minig, who's in the chat room, she makes it, and she can tell me exactly if she types it into the chat room right now. I can read it, and she can help me oh, out spell here. Spell paper. Tell me all about the spell paper. It is the coolest stuff in the world. She hand makes it, and um, what you do in in going back to what we we're talking about with giving up this whatever you're wanting to give up to start fresh, you'd write on the spell paper. um, Oh, it's called Sparkling Spells. That's what it is. Okay. So Sparkling Spells, or no, Sizzling Spell Paper, Color Magic, da-da-da, Sizzling Spell Paper. So this stuff is so cool. You can write on it a, a, a spell, an intention, a name, something you're wanting, what have you. You write it on there. You fold up your paper or don't. You have your little cauldron or some kind of heat-safe container. You have a heat source. You can build a little tiny fire in there. You can use your charcoal discs. And you put that in there, and it will spark up, and just like little fireworks. And poof, it goes into the universe, and you've let that go, or you've sent your intention out. So what I like to do is I, for this time of year, I would write what I'm, I'm giving away, and I would put that into the cauldron and send that out to the crown, the Kalia, Kali, what have you, Hecate, and um, have them take that back into the underworld. And then from there, I would go ahead and fill that with my intention because I'm a firm believer of any time you take something out, you create a void, a vacuum, uh-huh. much like if you were to dig a hole in the sand at the beach and if mm-hmm. you left that 
empty, the sand's just going to pour right back in there. All that stuff you already got rid of, so you have to fill that with something to keep the the stuff you got rid of out. So yep. um, a, a person who's starting this process, that would be a great product to, to begin because it's really easy to use but very okay. powerful in its intention. <laughs> I love that. I love um, well, you know, I'm a big fan of keeping the keeping your magic simple, and um, and uh-huh. then and then just letting it become powerful on its own because you're not confusing yourself on it. So, I'm, I'm oh yeah, yeah, totally. And so then, those, those I mean, are good. Granted, granted, you have the Coventry candle, and I think you have the Day of the Dead candle. Oh yeah, um, on your side. Yes. But you also you do, and I will be gracious at this point to say there are other Samhain candles. Yes. Of course, I think the Witch's Brew is the best Samhain candle. I do, too. Um, and I think that's what Julie was asking about. The Witch's Brew candle. What am I thinking? Um, Julie is in our chat room, and she was saying, what's that witch candle you have? I'm like, what? Witch? <laughs> Duh. Oh, Ju- Julie is an amazing student. She has been with me for years. Hi, Julie. Um, and she's just so cool. Um, and so, yes, it's the Witch's Brew Candle, which everybody knows and loves. I am such, and it's not because I just love you to death. I love the Coventry products. I I absolutely tell everybody about them when we have custom, when I have customers come in and they're saying they have an issue and they, they need some help. Your new Oracle that you brought out is phenomenal and so dead on. It's crazy. So people are able to find exactly what they need for what they're looking for, and it works. The feedback is amazing. Your your candles, your oils, your incense, all of that, it works. So, And they burn amazing, and they smell good, and it's just fantastic stuff. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking about it, baby. Keep talking. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that was not a plug, and this was not a paid sponsorship. Okay, so just making sure. I know we're that. just like we've become. This is this is one of those things. Lorian is one of my perfect examples of. We have become very close friends um, through doing business together. We've never met. We have never no? met. I don't. We've we've never talked to each other's spouses. We've never talked to each other's kids. We've only talked to each other, and um, and we have become very good friends. And this mm-hmm. is the amazing part of how small this world is getting. <laughs> it's awesome. It's true. It's true. And I am so 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 blessed, Jackie. As much as I might be her go-to girl for her new products, Jack. When I was talking about people, elders, who do they go to? Well. Jackie is often my go-to when I'm having challenges of my own. It's kind of funny. I told her the other day because I called her when I was having some kind of, I don't even remember why I called you, but I I was like, I'm so sorry. I bet you think that every time I call you, it's when I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm needing some help or advice or what have you. And she's like, no, 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 no. But it's true. Jackie's so insightful, and I don't know, you've been such a huge help for me over the years, um, personally, professionally. Um, nope, never seen her. Never actually. Fa- Facebook's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I can keep mm-hmm. up see, up with you every single day and know what you're up to. <laughs> I can see that beautiful red hair and that those wicked lips and and all that. So, yes, 
It's it's been really great. I count uh Jackie as one of my absolutely closest and most treasured friends. She's awesome. Well, it's it's absolutely mutual and this show has been amazing. Yes, it the has. feedback that we're already getting in the chat room, I've already had a couple of people hit me up online saying I love the show. So, <laughs> there's people who are not in the chat room that are listening. So, awesome. Um, yeah, so this has been a great show. I think there's been we, I think we've touched upon some different areas of Halloween. I think people focus on some of the the more spooky or serious parts. So I'm just loving our, our just our lighthearted approach to how how this has just become a natural normal part of our lives. Absolutely. So start a new tradition. That's my that's my moral of this story. Consider starting a new tradition with your family. Bring them together on Samhain. Bring them together on Halloween. And and find ways to reminisce and connect with your family. Um, you know, and even if it's not your blood family, connect with those family that you've chosen, your friends. And um, share your life together and share what's come in the, the, the past and what you plan on doing in the future. And um, it's, a, it's an amazing time to connect. It's It's a really beautiful time to do that. So... Utilize the energy. Yep. That's you know I wanted to start a new thing this week saying um, what's your takeaway on the show and you just gave it to us. Our takeaway on the show is that is that um, you're the one who decides what what is tradition in your life and uh-huh. you decide what's important in your life and this is something that that I hope you do decide to make important because it brings so much more than you even give to it. Absolutely. So much more than you even give to it. Thank you so much, and don't forget to go and visit sacredmist.com, and that's a plural, um, www.sacredmists.com, and check out all her her Halloween, Samhain, um, all of the stuff coming up for you. I mean, there's just the regular living life, and you've got some beautiful I've opened this shopping right now. I'm <laughs> out now. And also, yeah, if you go onto our Facebook on the Sacred Mists, Facebook.com slash Sacred Mists, um, S A C R E D M I S T S, we are, um, it's for our Sacred Mists um, uh, fans, and we also have it for our newsletter subscribers. We're offering free enrollment. So your enrollment fee is waived for um, enrolling with the school now through the 31st. Um, so, great time to start a new beginning. Um, begin that training you won't regret it it's an amazing school if i do say so myself but don't ask me ask the people on facebook they'll tell you all about it that's what a great place to get testimonials just go right on your page and ask yeah Mm -hmm. some some input that's brilliant so thank you again um lorian for for joining us today um sacredmist.com is your website um including facebook and uh, this has been a blast Oh, thanks so much, you guys. You're so great. And we'll look forward to doing it in December, yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So I want to thank everyone for joining us this afternoon. And you can listen to us live every single Tuesday at 4 p.m. on the East Coast, 1 p.m. on the West Coast, and every hour in between. To reach Storm off the air, go to www.psychicfriendsnow.com or go to his fan page on Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash astrogossip. To reach me off the air, you can go to coventrycreations.com where you bring your platinum card, and then you can also purchase a reading with me um, 
uh, online on that, and then we'll schedule some time with you. You can also go to um, my fan page for Coventry Magic on Facebook, as well as Coventry Creations fan pages on, on Facebook as well. It has been a pleasure. And we have um, new guests coming in every week. Next week we're going to be bringing in Jane from Eye of Horus. And we're going to talk about a lot of new stuff coming up there, um, and that will be right before my visit over to Eye of Horus. This coming weekend I'll be at Zuzu's Healing Arts in Melrose, Massachusetts. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Keep it magic, everybody.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.